Day number 173. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Thanks for being with us. 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. Well, if we're going to follow the science, we got a lot of science yesterday. The major new study, and Johns Hopkins has provided accurate information all throughout this pandemic of COVID. And anyway, they determined that all these lockdowns were ineffective and they were harmful and any future measures should be rejected out of hand. In other words, don't make the same mistake again. Now, especially when we were told by Biden and Fauci and and company, if you get vaccinated, you're never going to get COVID. Okay, that turned out not to be true. We'll never mandate the vaccine. Yeah, that didn't turn out to be true either. We may have to redefine what it means to be fully vaccinated. Okay, the same people that ran out of of tests around Christmas at a time when predictably, you know, people are getting together. You're going to have higher incidence of covid and they ran out of tests and they ran out of monoclonal antibodies and they they never mass produced all these antivirals, Pfizer, Merck and others um, when they knew that the studies were showing they worked very effectively. Nobody ever wants to talk about therapeutics. You know, I think this debate over vax or don't vax is over. I think everyone's pretty much made up their mind. I think most people now are where I have been for a while, and I don't trust Fauci. I don't trust Biden, Kamala Harris, Jen Psaki, the CDC, Walensky, or the NIH. I don't trust any of them. And I, again, my mantra, take it seriously. Uh, Do your research. Look at your unique medical history, current condition. Talk to your doctor, doctors, and then you're going to have to make your own decision. And then have a plan if, whether you have a breakthrough case, you're fully vaccinated and even have a booster, many of those people are getting Omicron. And even people that had COVID before, they're getting it again. So um, what's your plan if that happens? You don't want to, oh, I just tested positive. What do I do now? There's so many people that call this show. What is that thing that Hannity says we need to ask our doctors about? Monoclonal antibodies. And by the way, there's one specific one that works better for um, Omicron. And now we got the super variant of Omicron and it is spreading or more contagious. Um, That's not good. There are thousands dying every single day from Omicron. Senator Rand Paul has been in the forefront of exposing all of this madness. And he also has been in the forefront of digging down deep into the origins of this virus in the Wuhan virology lab and the NIH's involvement, and Dr. Fauci's lying about it. And he joins us now. He's also a medical doctor. How are you, Dr. Senator Rand Paul? Good, Sean. Thanks for having me. You know, so how is it possible that we ran out of tests, monoclonals, and we never mass-produced the antivirals? Have you heard a lot of good things, as I have heard about the antivirals? Absolutely. But the reason we ran out is central planning. It's basically socialism. When you put all the directions in the hand of a few people in government, they can never figure out the right answer. I mean, I always uh, somewhat facetiously and somewhat seriously say that the Soviet Union failed. The Soviet Union communism failed because they couldn't determine the price of bread. You set it too low, the bread's all gone. You set the price too high, the bread rots on the shelves. The only thing that can really figure out the accurate price of bread is supply and demand in the marketplace. Millions 
millions of people bidding for it. But it's the same way with medicine. I mean, the monoclonal antibodies should go where there are the sickest people, so that would be demand, and it goes day to day. Hospitals, you know, asking for more monoclonal antibodies. And some states were more proactive. I mean, Florida, DeSantis did a great job, was more proactive, got the monoclonal antibodies to be to people and probably saved thousands of lives. But when the government gets involved with the distribution, see, the government owns all the monoclonal antibodies. That's a really rotten idea to have one person. Well, by, by the it. way, this is an important point because Joe Biden never mentioned monoclonal antibodies and he had them from day one until he gave his vaccine mandate speech. And all of a sudden, we had never had a shortage at all, Senator, and, and then there became a shortage. You think there's a coincidence? I do. Yeah, and then the thing is, is that they decided to cut the old monoclonal antibodies off, which admittedly aren't as, as, as productive or as effective, but they cut them off before the new ones arrived. And the doctors were still saying, you know, there's still some benefit from the old ones, the same way there's still some benefit from the old vaccine, even though it's not perfect. But the old monoclonal antibodies were discontinued by government before there was a replacement. So there were people in the mix in the first couple of weeks of January where they couldn't get the monoclonals at all. I think they're starting to catch up. But socialism doesn't work. A planned economy doesn't work. There's no way for the economy to react quickly. Think about Walmart. You end up buying something at Walmart. They scan it. It's amazing. It's immediately in the computer telling somebody we've sold one of those. They sell 50 of them. They know a truck's got to come with 50 of whatever you bought the next day. So the marketplace really knows how and is, is spectacular at resupplying their stores. A government can't do that because they don't work on a profit system. You don't have any way to know if the guy or the woman in charge is doing a good job because you don't measure profit. Most companies do it every day, every minute, so you get the best and the most efficient managers to try to replace goods. But no, it's a disaster, and we this should be a warning side. We don't want to socialize more of our medicine. We don't want to have central planning. We particularly don't want someone like Fauci, who's been wrong on almost everything, to be in charge of anything. You know, it's amazing, because remember, they said, oh, we, we didn't see Omicron coming. How did they not see it coming? Because we know that there's always mutations, always new variants. You know, at some point we get what's called the endemic and, and this, you know, we live our normal lives and there's some version of it out there, but it's not as lethal if, if I'm not mistaken here. Um, but, you know, look at this study yesterday by Johns Hopkins. I mean, all the, all the amount of closures that took place when you look at all the draconian measures, and they determined that all of those lockdowns, all of those measures were not only ineffective, but harmful. And any future measures should be rejected out of hand. That's that's strong language after studying yeah. the impact uh, that this has had on society. Yeah, the Johns Hopkins study looked at a bunch of studies, brought them together, looked at the best studies, looked at quality, and tried to look at those that were the most carefully controlled, and brought these together to have large numbers of people involved and said, guess what? It just didn't work. We've had other evidence of this for a while. You remember in New York when they started measuring where people contracted, and they're like, uh-oh, whoops, people are getting it more often at home than they are in restaurants. And so right. it was length of time around people in the same air and combining people and telling them they couldn't even go out, you know, side was really the opposite of what we should have done. So really what's sad about this is the kind of science we followed is sort of 14th century. You know, the Pope in the 14th century was deathly afraid of the plague, and admittedly so was everybody else. He secluded himself, which kind of worked a little bit, but they mostly burned candles around him to try to burn the miasma, the mysterious forces in the air. And it made no scientific sense because they didn't understand science. We've understood the germ theory since the 19th century, 
And yet we have people talking about doing things that made, uh, there's no scientific evidence. Putting up plexiglass around your kid, it, it, it looks like you're, you know, it looks moronic, and it is. But MIT scientists studied this and said you're better off having better circulation, and the plexiglass actually interrupts the circulation of the class and actually makes it more likely. Mask, we found out that most of them don't work particularly with aerosolized things. It goes right around your mask. Nobody can wear those damn masks tight enough to work as it is. And then they say, well, it only goes six feet. Well, no, it doesn't. If you're around somebody for a long period of time, it may travel all the way across the room. But the bottom line is we need to have good therapeutics, and we do. And yet I've never heard Fauci tell people probably the most important thing your listeners need to hear. If you are over 55 or overweight and you get sick and you're getting sicker, you need to talk to your doctor. And particularly in the first five days, the treatments have like 80, 90 percent success of keeping you out of the hospital. If you wait till day I, 10, I, I tell people, they don't work very well. I tell people to have a plan. And if you test positive, the sooner you I know so many people that have had the infusion uh, or the shot now of monoclonal antibodies, they're all better within 48 hours. And it always works better when taken early. I wouldn't even wait till day five. The problem with one size fits all medicine, you know, vaccine and booster, vaccine and booster and mask. Okay, those three things. The problem is it doesn't work for everybody. Now that we have breakthrough cases, fully vaccinated, boosted people, natural immunity people getting it a second time. Now you've got to focus on the therapeutics. Quick break. More with Senator and medical doctor Rand Paul of Kentucky. 800-941-SHAWN is a number. We'll get to your calls at the bottom of the half hour. Uh, inflation under our current administration, 40-year high. Everything's more expensive. The Penn Wharton study, families now are paying the Biden inflation extra tax up to $5,000 per household. That's how expensive it is, which is why you need to find the big areas in your life where you can save money. And your wireless bill is one of them. Now, yet many of you still are with big carriers like Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile. They're overcharging you. You can get the exact same service. Let me repeat, exact same service uh, from Pure Talk, a veteran-owned company, at a fraction of the cost, the same cell towers, same 5G network, same number of bars on your phone. You can keep your phone, keep your phone number. You'll have more. And by the way, the more lines you, you have, the more you're going to save. Right now, you can get four lines, four phones, talk, text, data, 64 bucks. That's it. That's not per line. That's total. All right. Average family saving close to $1,000 a year for the same service. Join the stampede that I'm a part of. Just dial pound 250, say the keyword save now, and this month you'll save an additional 25% off your first three months. All right. Pound 250, keyword save now from Pure Talk. Sean Hannity Show, a thermonuclear MMA assault on fake news. Hannity's on right now. with senator and also medical doctor Rand paul of kentucky the problem with this virus that i have seen especially even it's going on still today now in year three uh if you get a temperature uh take two extra strength tylenol and bring it down to normal levels uh if you're 
if your oxygen saturation rate goes to 90 or below, you better go to the emergency room. But if you if you get to that point and your oxygen is 95 all six days, then day seven, it's 90. And then it goes to 84 and then 80. At that point, correct me if I'm wrong, the damage is done. The In other words, the COVID pneumonia is there. COVID lung is there, and now you're in deep Adam Schiff, if you don't, if you know what I'm saying. But the thing is, is this is the great disservice of Dr. Fauci. Because there's such a differential in age and a differential in risk factor, an 80-year-old is a thousand times more likely to die than a 10-year-old. A 10-year-old has almost no risk of dying from this. And so you treat them differently. You need to be more concerned the older you are. And it also has to do with weight and being a male. But then if we don't differentiate based on age and weight and individual circumstances, we treat everybody the same, we really don't have the resources to give everybody monoclonal antibodies. So it does need to be somewhat on your risk and on how sick you are. And your doctor helps you figure that out. But we get none of that. And when the Great Barrington Declaration said we should try to treat the elderly and those who live in group homes, we should try to target more care and more surveillance. Fauci dismissed can I, them and tried can to Can I ask uh, you a question? Why can't we produce enough for everybody that gets it and wants it? Why do why would there be a shortage for for goodness sake with the United States of America? You know, we're the ones that, you know, I, I have on Dr. Malone tonight. He came under fire because he, he 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 helped create the technology uh, for mRNA vaccines. And he's under fire because he has more rigid requirements for the use of the technology. And that led to Pfizer Moderna vaccinations. OK, for covid. And he's a treating. Oh, okay. the, problem, the, problem, the problem with treating everyone, Sean, is this. You know, we had a period of time where a million people a day are getting it. You have to keep in mind that 99% get better without any treatment. So you do really, medically, it's not appropriate to treat everybody the same. The vast majority of young, healthy people don't need any treatment at all. But it is making that judgment call that a physician can help with. But uh, this is the real problem is that you don't need, not everybody needs a test either. If you don't have any symptoms, we shouldn't do millions of tests every day for people without symptoms but we also shouldn't be treating people without it without significant symptoms either and that judgment will be made well, it's sort of like would you would you deny somebody that gets the flu and they want tamiflu would we deny them that i, I don't think we would no i think the judgment though is made with a person and you have to make the judgment on risk of treatment versus no treatment and it i would just like to have call. let people have the choice if they if they feel more comfortable they don't want to take the risk and and they feel that this is the therapeutic of choice for them i think it should be readily available there, and if they have to pay for it they have to pay for it a certain degree of that but it's not completely that in the sense that i don't think i would recommend that if a million people get covid a day that we give them all monoclonal antibodies or there'll still need to be some selective nature to it in trying to figure out and that's what we do have physicians you do it in conjunction with a physician to figure it out and uh, ultimately there definitely are people that are helped by it. One of the things that Fauci has not mentioned and is incredibly important is if you are older and you get uh, COVID, your spouse is actually eligible to get the monoclonal antibodies even if they're not positive yet. And that's something that really can prevent serious illness because it's so deadly or so much more deadly in the elderly that uh, people don't know that. People don't know they have yeah. to have treatment early. And they also don't know that even without a positive test, an elderly person can ask their doctor and often qualify for the monoclonal antibodies. Let me ask you this. Soldiers are now being removed from the service because they refuse the vaccine. And now in what can only be described as they're calling it involuntary separation, a directive signed by the secretary of the army um that they'll not be eligible for involuntary separation pay and may be subject to recoupment of any unearned special or incentive pay 
that they might have received. Um, are you kidding me? Completely unfair. Completely unfair, and I would get rid of that. I'm uh, part of legislation that would reverse that and allow them to come back. I would also allow the doctors and nurses to come back. And here's the thing. The CDC has steadfastly tried to obscure the truth from us, but they finally released last or two weeks ago a million-person study a million people who got COVID, they wanted to know what's the risk of being in the hospital if you've uh, been vaccinated. It was actually 20 times less if you're vaccinated than unvaccinated. But they also released this interesting statistic. If you've been infected with COVID but not vaccinated, that's my category. I've had COVID, but I wasn't vaccinated. I'm 55 times less likely to be in the hospital than someone who has unvaccinated and not gotten the infection. So really what we should do is all of these soldiers, all these doctors, all these nurses, all these firemen, all these policemen that have already had it, let them go back to work. It's ridiculous. They're of no, and You're right. they are of no danger to anyone else. In fact, they're safer than people who've yeah. been vaccinated. And by the way, the next time, you know, somebody, L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti defended his maskless photo because they have a mask mandate in, in Los Angeles. He says he held his breath. Is that, you know, I didn't inhale. I held my breath when I took off my mask. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> well, I'm going to be on a plane in a couple hours, and I'm going to take my mask off and see if the flight attendant will accept <laughs> me just holding my breath. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Tell me how that works out when you get arrested, all right? I'll, be- all right, I'll bail you out, I promise. i call for legal advice. <laughs> all right, my friend. Senator Rand Paul, Dr. Rand Paul, 800-941-SEAN. Our number, your calls are next. Quick break, right back. All right, 25 now to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, uh, let's say hi to Diane is in Arizona. What's going on, Diane? How are you? Glad you called. Thanks for being with us. Hi, Sean. It's great to talk to you. I've been listening to you uh, since the days of Hannity and Combs. Oh, man. And my Thank husband you. and I watch your show every night and listen to your uh, radio show every day while we're waiting for uh, our son to come out of school. He's a special needs child, and he's a big fan, too, and a Trump supporter. And, that, but, and um, how old's your son? My son is 14. We moved here six years ago from New York to Arizona. Right. And um, I wanted to just chime in a little bit on the Whoopi Goldberg thing. First of all, in all the years I've listened to you, I have to tell you, I've never, ever disagreed with anything you've said. And thank you for keeping the conservative voice alive for all of us. You're very but kind. Thank you. When I but heard you there's a butt the coming. Night, I've, I've, I've had this butt call once or twice in my life. Go ahead. I know. <laughs> but when I... I have to tell you, when I heard you, um, what you said about Whoopi Goldberg the other night, it kind of was like a knife to my heart. And let me just tell you why. Um, I grew up, you know, with Jewish parents, not very religious, but always um, brought up to respect where we came from before my pain. I lost both my parents very young. And that's one thing they always um, ingrained in us, always remember. My, I always remember when I was a kid hearing stories from my parents and my grandparents about the Holocaust. And um, very good friends of ours, um, her parents, both were in the Holocaust. When I had my first apartment, my landlords came from the Holocaust, and they all had the numbers tattooed on their arms. So I can't tell you, I've heard numerous, numerous stories about what they went through. So when I heard the whole thing about Whoopi, how she said, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a race thing. Now, she's been around a long time. She's not a stupid person. And in her age group, everybody, in one way or another, knows about the Holocaust. She was a comedian and an actress long before she was on The View. But the way I look at it is, unfortunately, right now, her and her cohorts on The View, they love to just intentionally generalize and say things, the Holocaust, use 
calling us Trump fans Nazis and Whoopi said about the cages under the Trump administration only that it was like concentration camps. If she really was a human being and knew what went on in those concentration camps, she would never have said that. To say that it wasn't a race thing, I mean, I, I, I don't even know if ignorant is the right word. When point blank, Hitler threatened the annihilation of the Jews in 1931, he wanted to wipe them off the face of the earth. He believed that the pure Germans were the superior race. So when I hear people say things like that, it just really, really cuts me deep. Now, I know you're not for boycotting people and all that, and I totally respect that of you. But this, I just feel, goes so much deeper. And like I said, it's not like The View. It's her life. That's it. People have been fired for far less. Look at Roseanne. And frankly, because she was a Trump supporter. But like I said, Whoopi was a comedian and an actress long before. So it's not like, you know, I mean, she went on the her apology tour that night on Colbert and got herself dug much deeper. And then what, from what I hear, oh, she's apologetic. But when she heard about her suspension, she was so apologetic that she's like, screw this. I'm going to quit. You know what I mean? So she was, by the way, I I have sources telling me that is, and I mean, real good sources. That is a thousand percent. Not true. That part, but I'm listening very intently to what you're saying. It's just like, you know, I, I, like I said, I have a special needs child. And he was um, mentally abused in New York in the school system. And that's why we moved here. And for as long as I can remember, for as long as we thought he can understand anything. And this was not from kids. This was from teachers and administration. We've always tried to get him to understand that you treat everybody, every with human kindness and consideration that that is the first thing that we can remember ever trying to instill in him. And just to hear somebody like Whoopi, like I said, who isn't, she's not a stupid person, you know, to just go on and they think they could just throw words like this around. When families can, have suffered so deeply. I'm hearing like, you loud and clear. Uh, can, I, can I offer you some insight that I have? Yes, Because I, I know her. Um, and take this any way you want to take it. But, and, and you know, if you listen to my program and watch my TV show, you've seen me in Israel. You know, I've been yep. friends with BB for, for, you know, 25, 27 years. I um, do. I, I knew Ehud Barak, Shimon uh, Perez. Um, I, I can't even name all of the people that I know. I'm really good. For, I love Ron Dermer. I love Dory Gold. These are all friends of mine. And there's no bigger supporter in the media. Uh, then say me and Mark Levin of the state of Israel that I can think right. of off the top of my head. Um, so, you know, that a part about me, if I thought in any way there was any anti-Semitism in Whoopi's heart, I would have no problem calling it out, you know, but I have to be honest and tell you what I know. Let me, Whoopi Goldberg is sort of like in, in real life. She's like peace and love and happiness and, and, so what she said very inarticulately, historically inaccurate, as you rightly point out, she did point out one thing, and that was the evil, or she, the, her words were man's inhumanity to man. And right. then she made the statement, no, no, it's not about race, it's not about race. Well, actually, the whole thing was about race, and the sickness, this evil, this deranged ideology 
called Nazism, led by a madman and an evil madman at that, that slaughtered six million plus uh, Jewish uh, people in in these these concentration camps, um, you know, believed in this sick stuff. So she was wrong on that point. And do I think it was said from a point of maliciousness? No. I, I can pretty much guarantee you I think that her apology is sincere and the proof will be in the pudding. You know, if ABC, as they said they will, going to give her a second chance, we'll see if she learns. And meaning it would never happen again. I would bet that will never happen again. Does that give well, you, you any... Can I just say one thing? Yeah, yeah you, can um, beat me, you can beat me up. Keep going. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I'm not going to beat you up. We love you too much, Sean. I mean, we, we thank God we have people like you who can, you know, who voice... Uh, our, our views are conservative, about, you know, I care about this country. I mean, I come from a military family, too, and, you know, what's going on just, you know, kills us. And thank God we have people like you and Tucker and, and Jesse and Laura, and I can go on and on. We watch the whole lineup. I mean, um, but what I wanted to just say as far as, yes, I agree what she, she said about it was a crime against the inhumanity of man, but it wasn't all man. It was six million Jews Men, women, no, and children. I, I, you, you, who, who listen, every time every ma- anyone makes these Nazi analogies, these Holocaust analogies, they always screw it up. Yeah, um, no, they look, do. Let me, I, let I me just, just say this. In, like in, in, let me say this in closing. And, um, and you have family that were in the Holocaust. They know. I, I urge everybody, go to the History Channel. Go select On Demand. Watch the videos. You can see it yourself. And it is a horror that is unimaginable, evil on a scale unimaginable. You know, there was a woman that passed away not that long ago. Her name was Hannah from Brooklyn. And Hannah from Brooklyn survived the Holocaust. And she was a regular caller to this radio show when I was local in New York and then when I became national. And the the loveliest woman in the world and her daughter, Pearl, broke my heart when I heard she passed away. And... You know, anybody that had to live through that, you know, if you want to make it easy, watch Schindler's List. Watch that show. Mm-hmm. And and it, it captures a small portion of the horror and, and also the heart of one man to help save lives. And there are so many of those stories of good people in the worst situation risking their lives for others. Absolutely. And I hope that uh, I hope people hear you and hear your story. And I say this with great sadness. I talk about and I talked about it in that book that I researched very heavily and and deliver us from evil is that last century, over 100 million human souls. When you add up Mao, China, Stalin, Russia, fascism, Nazism, Imperial Japan, uh, the killing fields, Cambodia, Pol Pot, etc., that's over 100 million souls, and we're probably underestimating it. Right. Evil exists. Nazism was real. It was about race, the belief in a master race. It is sick, ugly, racist, twisted, and it is dark, dark, dark evil. It's hard for good people sometimes to wrap their mind around the fact that there are evil people. Somebody that molests a child is an evil human being. You have to be evil to be able to do that. And the same thing would happen in, in these death camps. 
these concentration camps. It is pure evil, and people need to understand it. Forget. That was my mother's last word. Never, Never forget. forget. Nope. You know, it's it's so important. I remember as a child, um, you know, I grew up in a, a normal neighborhood. It was Jews, Italians, and Irish. We were all friends, everybody, you know. And I, I grew up in know, the really same neighborhood. That was my neighborhood, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. My husband told me to tell you that um, his sister got married in Franklin Square Jewish Center. My husband grew up in Island Park. I grew up in Bayside. But um, I remember going to school, walking to school with my brother one day. And again, we would never, you know, experienced anything, um, any kind of anti-Semitism before, just what we heard. But I was well, he, my brother's three years older than me. And one day we were walking to school and there were a bunch of uh, older kids behind us. And I heard them yell out, oh, where you going, Jew boy? And I said to my brother, that's sad. That's... what are they talking about? My brother just looked at me, he goes, Diane, that's what is known as ignorant. You know, Let me tell you something, and I, I got to leave you on this years. note. Anti-Semitism is on the rise. Iran now is a real, clear, present danger to the state of Israel. They are our closest ally. We, we, we never had a better president uh, than to, to the state of Israel than Donald Trump. And um, we better pay attention to Iran, because if they ever marry that, their sick, twisted ideology of convert or die with nuclear weapons, they will try and annihilate Israel, and Israel, Israel will retaliate. Um, you're a lovely woman. you got a heart of gold. I hope you'll, you'll consider my experience with this. I wouldn't tell you if I didn't believe it. I think you know that. No, I know, Sean, and we have the utmost respect for you, and we just want to thank you for everything that you do. I hope the next time you call, you know, we're not disagreeing. Not that we disagree, really. We, we are in full agreement on being historically accurate. And that is very important. And the seriousness of it is I'm, I'm, not, I'm not glossing it over. Do I think that probably she was arguing it from a place of a lack of knowledge and inarticulate? Yes. Do I know? Have I seen the type of anti-Semitism that you described in your own life? No, I, I don't see it in her. If I did, I promise you I'd call it out. I promise you. That's good enough for me, Sean. All right. God bless you always and your family. Okay? Thank you. Quick break. Right back. <laughs> 